0: Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show all about exploring everything mysterious, unexplained, and weird in the world. Today on the show, we're going to talk about biblical prophecies concerning CERN, the Large Hadron Collider specifically, and it's going to revolve mostly around Nephilim, but it's also going to be involving the old gods. So if you're dogmatic, this might upset you, but then again, if you're not dogmatic, you're probably going to enjoy it even if you subscribe or just enjoy the lore behind all this kinds of stuff. When Nimrod created the Tower of Babel, was he creating a portal to the gods, to the Watchers? And when the entire population of Earth surrounding the Tower of Babel was all split up to go their different directions by supernaturally being made to speak different languages, did they all take with them a different version of the same myth that Nimrod was telling them? of a lost golden age? Let's find out. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. This is, this is the way. This is the way. These these entities they would congregate. Now is the time to take rest. Do you think Ra could have an objective to take over humanity and corrupt our DNA so Christ could never be born correctly? Well, if we're mixing ancient Egyptian and Christian lore, that could only mean one thing from this narrative. Ra would be a fallen angel. And with this idea, it means that all the old gods could be fallen angels, right? I've mentioned briefly in the past that one of the versions of choirs of angels is called uh, a prince, which is essentially thought of as gods as we'd look at them in the ancient world. But not all princes were thought to have been fallen angels in this esoteric lore. But then again, if they are residing on Earth, then from a strict dogmatic view, yes, the gods could be fallen angels. This narrative directly links to the ideas I was going over at the end of the last episode on certain conspiracies, and how all the unexplainable constructs across the world with impossible mathematics for the primitive time that also many times link up with the stars, (laughs) which were invisible to the naked eye, were all overseen in their creation by these old gods and their demigod children. Sounds kind of like the movie Stargate, huh, but makes you wonder also. Where did the movie Stargate get its inspiration from? Somewhere along the line, something went wrong with these old gods, and they could no longer manifest themselves in our material reality. And according to some, CERN scientists are seeking to create doorways for these entities to return directly. The book Abaddon Ascending the ancient conspiracy at the heart of CERN's most secretive mission by Thomas Horn and Josh Peck goes into exhaustive detail documenting this narrative, and it talks about many megalithic and mysterious structures they believe to predate the last cataclysm, the one that covered the earth in the great deluge. Such as, a strange structure in Peru is literally called the Gate of the Gods which is a massive hunk of carved stone with precision so perfect, it can't be recreated without modern machinery and seems to have designs for a keyhole in it. According to legend, there is a device called the Key of the Gods of the Seven Rays that opens this door and a priest escaped into the portal to flee the Spanish conquerors, taking his secrets with him. The legend says that the key turned this rock into a stargate, which is weird, uh, like wording to use, but yes. Like, the solid rock just basically faded away and transformed before everyone's eyes who was there to see the ritual. I wonder what the Spanish thought of it. It is very interesting to note all of these like modern sci-fi terms oddly being found in ancient legends. There are various versions of this legend, and in a local legend, the priest himself came from a far-off heavenly location specifically associated with the Pleiades, Apollo, and Orion, Osiris. Other folklore of Peru says that the door is a gateway to the lands of the gods. It's basically found all throughout the entire country, these legends. And in the ancient times, heroes would come through this gate, the heroes of myth and legend. They would come and go through it, and they all had this same, like, key type thing that they used to activate the gate. And nearby to the Gate of the Gods is the Stone Forest, which strangely is a collective of bizarre statues that resemble human faces and, with little effort, could be interpreted as representations of various ancient world cultures and races. There is even a carving that looks exactly like the image of the face on Mars. Yes, that face on Mars. It is theorized the stone forest was used as a reference for the interdimensional travelers, so they could easily choose which race and faction of humanity they wanted to travel through the portal to. It was like a hub station, a place between places that linked to all other destinations. And not far away is another megalithic wonder called the Gate of the Sun. This anomalous structure, again, defies explanation on any clear way it was created by ancient people. It's massive and weighs 10 tons, with some of the blocks dating back to 12,000 BC. The megalithic arch looks exactly like a portal or doorway from World of Warcraft. Well, not exactly. But, I mean, it looks like how our imaginations would paint a portal gate or... Even how it's represented often in movies and stuff like that. The stone is made from one giant slab. And at such an altitude and inhospitable area of land, it's like hard to breathe. Much less muscle up a 10-ton solid slab of stone. The only thing that really makes sense of how it could have been constructed there or placed there or whatever in the first place is if like the climate was different at that point in history. And all of these ruins were made with such advanced techniques that we really can't even replicate it throughout human history, at least up until like the past hundred years or so. The mathematical precision is too perfect. The geometric design is too smooth for ancient tools to be capable of. These researchers think that this is what the CERN scientists are trying to recreate. These ancient portals. This lost technology. Alien influences were first attributed to these megaliths by Eric von Daniken, but tons of other oddity writers picked up the narrative and spun it into a massive web of weirdness. It's obvious these Peruvians had some knowledge or technology thousands of years ahead of their time, only to lead us to more mysteries and questions the more we investigate them. Personally, I do enjoy these types of books but I think that a lot of people underestimate just how amazing human beings truly are. You know, in our creativity and ingenuity, we're pretty ridiculously... uncanny. And I don't want to really ruin the vibe. Aliens helped. So, to most, these structures are indeed unexplainable. There's just evidence lacking to say that there's anything absolute about them, despite what big archaeology may say. Look what they've done to graham hancock when he discovers stuff that goes outside of their little reality tunnels even with enough crying, these people will admit that it is unexplainable even if in like a grudgingly and half-hearted kind of a dismissive fashion they'll never give you a straight answer but these anomalies in peru are just a handful of the ones like there's a whole list of even more anomalies in the book like balbec The Russian megaliths, the Great Pyramid of Giza, tons more, all are evidence of visitors that may not belong, quote unquote, or at least not belong in the way we think. The authors look at all these linking back to the ambitions of CERN that are hidden from the public view, with the Large Hadron Collider's ties to paranormal investigation suppressed by the show media. It doesn't really matter what people say, though, because CERN will never admit anything concerning God, or Satan, or anything Biblical for that matter. They hate all that stuff. And personally, I don't think that they believe in those things the way that these writers are trying to sell, because... these writers come from a pretty strict dogmatic worldview in Abaddon Rising. But in the book, they're saying their intentions are quite literally satanic, these CERN scientists. And they come to these conclusions through many outlets, but the cryptic quotes from CERN itself, they point to a lot as well. Adam Barker of TechBubble wrote, With the LHC, CERN are expecting to find other dimensions and portals to these dimensions. If you have the image of Stargate in your head right now, you are spot on. See what I mean? This is why they have, they like create the conspiracy theories on purpose sometimes I feel. But this is coming from a legitimate official article, people from CERN. This ties into biblical prophecy, in which they claim CERN is literally trying to recreate Jacob's ladder, or even the Tower of Babel. And the return of these portals could be interpreted as one of the seals being broken that initiate the end of days. The Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, has a lot to say that many find analogous to events transpiring in our times, with CERN as one of these main examples. Israel becoming a sovereign state is another big one, as well as others, like, um, Iraq getting bombed into the Stone Age. And straight from the Bible, let's look at one of these analogous ideas to portals in Genesis 28, verses 10-17. through Quote, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and will wash over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Looking at it this way, there could be many times in the Bible we could translate events as being portals. Through these gate interdimensional entities, gods, angels, all the the things that we could think of, they travel through these gates. And if God's angels use these gates to travel, the argument of the authors of this book is that so can the fallen angels. Though the portals to heaven for the old gods are probably closed off for obvious reasons. Apparently, one of CERN's goals is to recreate Jacob's Ladder and reopen a portal that originally existed between Earth, Mars, Venus, and Saturn when the planets were in alignment a long, long time ago. And even if CERN doesn't believe in Jacob's Ladder, they absolutely do believe that other dimensions exist and are actively trying to penetrate into them. One of their main goals is actually to take the resources from these other dimensions. Which seems kinda messed up. And against a lot of what uh, the uh, zeitgeist rhetoric is going on in a lot of the Western countries and stuff like that, Sergio Bucolusi, the official director of research for CERN, was asked about this extramental doorway by the Register, a London and New York-operated journal, and without hesitation, he is officially quoted as saying, Out of this door might come something, or we might send something through it. No joke, he really said that. John one fifty one, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Prophecy throughout the Bible refers to the day that these portals will begin to reopen many times over from our perspective we're working with right now spiritual entities or extraterrestrial entities will be free to come back and forth once more. I think from concerning this worldview, they would be demonic, right? Which I briefly mentioned in the last episode on this topic. A lot of people, especially those with Christian leanings, just assume this is all demonic. But it's hard for me to break it down in a way that kind of is entertaining for everybody, I guess. But I think you get what I mean. I mentioned in the last episode on CERN, the statue of Shiva that CERN displays openly right in front of their facility buildings, the one where the video of that occult ritual where a lady is sacrificed in, well, Shiva has many aspects, and the one depicted in this statue is Shiva Nataraja, the lord of the dance. And this dance generates Shakti, or life force. It is the dance of the cycle of creation as well as destruction and the Rudra Tandava is a dance that depicts the darker side of Shiva as that of the destroyer, which is raining down destruction on a planet. And this aspect of Shiva the destroyer goes into analogous Biblical prophecy of Abaddon the destroyer. So let's explore this Abaddon angel for a second, shall we? That is so such a big deal to a lot of these people. Uh, specifically in this book as well, obviously, because the book's entitled Abaddon uh, Ascending. And now, just as a side note, my personal view of Abaddon is different than a lot of the people who get up in arms about this stuff. And there's actually a ton of different ways that Abaddon has been interpreted, including a lot of Christian people from the past seeing him as basically one of God's most loyal servants. I think, uh, As a weird and crude analogy or metaphor, just think about, like, Professor Snape from the Harry Potter series, how he acts like a bad guy and all that stuff. But in the end, he's actually the most loyal out of everybody. That kind of a thing. With the most accurate translations of the Book of Revelations, it says that Abaddon is the holder of the keys to the abyss. And he unlocks it when the end of days begins. Pretty much meaning that he's light in the darkness and a servant of God working with its will. Not against it. I mean, even the demons technically follow God's will anyway. Everybody plays God's game, whether they believe they are or not. So, you know, those angels of darkness as well as light and angels of darkness does not necessarily mean fallen angel. This is just spooky superstitious stuff used to control people. However, these people interpret Abaddon as basically Satan and on the evil side, saying he's the destroyer. Just thought I'd throw in some of my own knowledge on this subject because, you know, to kind of, like, push back against the hardline Christian takes. But they equate Shiva as the same thing as Abaddon, essentially. Both are beings of light and dark natures and are more complicated than simply labeling them bad or good. Interestingly to note, though, the land that CERN is built on was once the Saint-Genus-Huili, and I cannot pronounce that correctly, it's French. It was a commune that in Roman times was called Apollyacum, dedicated to Apollyon, the Greek name for Abaddon. The book goes on to say more stuff about Abaddon the Destroyer and linking him to Horus from the Egyptian pantheon, as well as Shiva, saying he is the angel of the bottomless pit, quoting the Bible, but not seeing Abaddon as essentially a jailer and not imprisoned in the abyss himself let's quote some of the stuff from the sometimes reliable source of knowledge called Wikipedia to give a more objective or not objective, like um, to back up some of the stuff I said that there's alternate views of Abaddon, not just the super dogmatic Christian one quote. The term Abaddon appears six times in the Mesoretic text of the Hebrew Bible. Abaddon means destruction or place of destruction or realm of the dead and is accompanied by Sheol, which is the resting place of the dead. According to the Brown-Driver-Briggs lexicon, the Hebrew Abaddon is an intensive form of Semitic root and verb stem perish, transitive, destroy, which occurs 184 times in the Hebrew Bible. The Septuagint, an early Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, renders Abaddon as Apollyon, Is the active particle of to destroy. The text of the Thanksgiving hymns, in which found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, tells of the Sheol of Abaddon and of the torrents of Belial that burst into Abaddon. The biblical antiquities misattributed Philo mentions Abaddon as a place, destruction, rather than an individual. Abaddon is one of the compartments of Gehenna, by extension, It can mean an underworld abode of lost souls, or Gehenna. In some legends, Abaddon is identified as a realm where the damned lie in fire and snow, one of the places in Gehenna that Moses visited. The New Testament contains the first known depiction of Abaddon as an individual entity instead of a place, a king, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek, Apollyon, in Latin, exterminans. In Revelation 9.11, Abaddon is described as destroyer, the angel of the abyss, and as the king of a plague of locusts, resembling horses with crowned human faces, women's hair, lion's teeth, wings, iron breastplates, and a tail with a scorpion stinger that torments for five months anyone who does not have the seal of God on their foreheads. The symbolism of Revelation 9 11 leaves the identity of Abaddon open to interpretation. Protestant commenter Matthew Henry, 1708, believed Abaddon to be the Antichrist, whereas the Jameson Fawcett Brown Bible Commentary, 1871, and Henry Hampton Halley, 1922, identified the angel as Satan. Early in John Boyman's The Pilgrim's Progress, the Christian Pilgrim fights over half a day long with the demon Apollyon. This book permeated Christianity in the English-speaking world for 300 years after its first publication in 1678. In contrast, the Methodist publication The Interpreter's Bible states, Abaddon, however, is an angel not of Satan but of God performing his work of destruction at God's bidding. Citing the context at Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. This is where I got my idea from. In my opinion, kind of comes from. FYI, just interject there. Um, continuing on. Yehovah's Witnesses also cite Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3, where the angel having the key of the abyss is actually shown to be a representative of God concluding that Abaddon is another name for Jesus, after his resurrection. The 1409 Lollard Manuscript, titled Lantern of Light, associated Abaddon with the deadly sin of laziness. Mandaean scriptures such as the Ginza Rabbah mention the Abaddon, classical Mandaic, Badunia, as part of the world of darkness. The right, Ginza, mentions the existence of the upper Abadons, as well as the lower Abadons. The final poem left, Ginza, mentions the house of Abadons. In the 3rd century Acts of Thomas, Abaddon is the name of a demon or the devil himself. Abaddon is given particularly important roles in two sources. A homily entitled, The Enthronement of Abaddon, pseudo-Timothy of Alexandria, and the Book of the Resurrection of Jesus Christ by Bartholomew the Apostle. In the homily of Timothy, Abaddon was the first named Muriel, and had been given the task by God of collecting the earth that would be used in the creation of Adam. Upon completion of this task, the angel was appointed as a guardian. Everyone, including the angels, demons, and corporeal entities feared him. Abaddon was promised that any who venerated him in life could be saved. Abaddon is also said to have a prominent role in the Last Judgment, as the one who will take the souls to the Valley of Jesaphat, being the jailer as well as the executioner. He is described in the Book of the Resurrection of Jesus Christ as being present in the tomb of Jesus at the moment of the resurrection of Jesus." So, yeah, you can see that there are many, many, many different ways to look at Abaddon. No reason to put this in a little box. There's a lot more saying that Abaddon just isn't Abaddon the destroyer. It's also a place, many places in the underworld, as well as one of God's most loyal servants much more complicated than just saying abaddon is evil the destroyer And i'm sure that nothing i could say would ever change these really dig- dogmatic type people's minds i'm just um you know they're trapped in their reality tunnel but i'm just i thought that you listener would enjoy the elaboration and we will continue after a quick break you're listening to cryptic chronicles
1: one thing you can invest in that does not lose value is gold and silver there is no better place to go for financial security than gold co rated a plus by the better business bureau get the free 2023 gold ira kit americans are using to protect their retirement savings get your free 2023 gold ira kit at Goldco goldkit.com. GoldCo is a leader in the precious metals industry. From precious metals IRA to direct purchases of precious metal coins and bars, we partner with individuals seeking to diversify and safely grow their retirement portfolios. Allow GoldCo to make your gold and silver investments easy, seamless, and secure. Our investment is in good hands. Chuck Norris, what? Oh, I'm recording. $30 $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's amuse.com.
0: Is your brain always hungry? Do you have a mental appetite that often goes unsated? You may be suffering from hungry brain syndrome, a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening condition experienced by humans who require double, sometimes even quadruple the amount of mental nutrition needed to sustain the general population. But now there's help. For years, our dedicated team of world-class researchers have been developing a thicker, more nutrient-dense podcast specifically for sufferers of hungry brain syndrome. And now we want to share it with you. All you have to do is search for our podcast, The Whole Rabbit, in your podcast player of choice and select from one of our delicious flavors like Slovenian succubi, Gnosticism, or Ancient Egypt. It's no wonder The Whole Rabbit is the most recommended treatment for hungry brain syndrome on the market. So what are you waiting for? Try The Whole Rabbit today. Do not listen while deep sea diving. Side effects may include eating carrots and shooting lasers.
2: and in those days shall men seek death and shall not hide it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. Wake up. strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. If you do not wake up I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come for you. I know your deeds, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer, I tell you. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death
0: and Hades. In the book Abaddon is sending, the fall, where Lucifer fell, they say it could actually be an extraterrestrial object or even a sun, but it's somewhere out there in space, these beings that are imprisoned. They suggest it could even be a mothership, and the end times start when the ship begins to orbit the earth. I think the idea that they give the entities living in celestial objects like the sun and planets pretty interesting. Because there are classical esoteric texts that talk about stuff like that. Like the Archons mainly live on Saturn. And souls come from and return to the sun. Like afterlife and reincarnating and stuff like that. As well as the Arbitel. Like with all of the Greek archetypal god forms kind of existing in all the planets. That you can actually do stuff to communicate with. So. It's nothing new on the scene in them. It's interesting that they would connect it to some of the more niche esoteric paradigms out there. They suggest that there are doorways that can be opened to allow these entities residing in celestial spheres to come directly to Earth and spill out. These are both good and bad, powerful entities though, and they may or may not need physical bodies to latch onto in order to stay in our 3D reality. The entities could just be waiting right on the other side of these doorways, waiting for them to open. It could be during particular celestial alignments of the planets or stars, or require a key, or who knows, but they are waiting right on the other side, timeless and immortal. But these doors could also be in the earth itself. There is some biblical scripture known as the Apocryphal texts, as well as other lore like that of Araman, that the Earth itself is a prison for certain spiritual entities. Like the Book of Giants saying, the Nephilim spirits are trapped here, or Arman and his legions of demons are trapped on Earth as a prison. Even the fallen angels could be interpreted as being trapped below the planet's crust, as in the Book of Enoch. So it's not that out there of an idea. These gates could also be between the Earth's interior and exterior in Jonah 2.6. It talks about Jonah's journey to the bottom of the ocean to a city of gates. This whole thought that the earth is a holder of intelligences beyond physical humans was a key aspect of ancient biblical interpretation. However, out of all the myriad analogies we could make of the gates and portals in the Bible, probably the most notorious is the Tower of Babel There is actually some interesting connections between the Tower of Babel, the planet Mars, and the giants. Nimrod was a Nephilim and associated in myth with Nergal, the Sumerian god of Mars, and disease and sickness and entropy. In this idea, the Tower of Babel was a large tower to Mars, and even the poet Dante and mystery schools have made such links. It was a gateway of the gods. A portal to the planet Mars, Babel was a Nephilim gateway, and prophesized to be the location where the gates reopen and the Nephilim return. It was not just a tower trying to reach the heaven as it's often portrayed, like in hubris. It was a stargate, created with forbidden knowledge. This kind of connects to the last episode on CERN where I was talking about how one of the ideas is that like, the elite are trying to resurrect Nimrod. Same thing. They suggest the tower was some sort of angel portal technology. To quote Gary Sturman Under the leadership of Nimrod, the early post flood societies were obviously attempting to reunite with the fallen spirit beings who were within their ancient historical memory. They were on the verge of achieving their primary goal not just to build a tower, but to break through a barrier to the realm of heaven itself. They were apparently about to realize some success in penetrating the dimensional veil that separates one aspect of heaven from earth. They wanted to reconnect with the Bene Elohim, aka the Watchers from before the Flood, essentially as well, the entities that originally granted them higher knowledge and created the Nephilim And as Tom Horn elaborates, perhaps Stearman was suggesting Nimrod was attempting to open a doorway with, hold on, this is a mouthful. Let me quote this. The peripheral proximity of a parallel brain in the cosmic superstructure astrophysicists call the bulk. <laughs> According to modern physics. And he says the second heaven or astral plane might be the only micrometer away from the fifth dimension. So it's essentially the fourth dimension. It implies the ever-present apotheosis ambition of man to use the tower or transformational technology employed by Nimrod and his minions to become like gods. Which I find kind of confusing, but I think what he's getting at is the portal is not necessarily to the physical planet Mars, but an alternate dimensional plane of Mars? I could be wrong though. It's confusing. I can think pretty abstract and it kind of makes sense in my imagination, but it's not easy to actually explain it, if you know what I mean. In the book, Forbidden Secrets of the Labyrinth, Mark Flynn says that the Interventional Gateway wouldn't like make Nimrod and his circle make it to the gods right away, but instead, what it would do is it would open them up to getting knowledge from the watchers once more which would eventually lead them to become like gods. This whole thing revolves around the dying god and resurrection of Nimrod. Nimrod is the archetype for the same type of god found in countless other cultures, known as the dying god. This type of god archetype includes Osiris, Horus, Tamaz, Heracles, Sarunos, Marduk, Mithras, and many others. When all the people of Earth came to the Tower of Babel, they most likely thought that Nimrod was a god. And since when the Tower was destroyed, and all the people were supernaturally made to speak different languages, splitting them up, they all went their different ways with variations of the Lost Golden Age lore. Nimrod had been telling them all about this Lost Golden Age that existed before the Cataclysm, He told them of the Watchers, and that they were gods, and could make men like gods. The Book Abaddon Ascending says, This is why there are so many ancient variations of the dying god myth throughout all the old, you know, the ancient civilizations. It's all based on the same thing. But when the Tower of Babel, when they all were split up and made to all go their separate ways, the people who lived on the earth, it was basically like essentially according to the lore, the whole human race that was living on the planet. When they were split up and all sent in their different ways to resettle and populate the earth, they all took a different story with them that was from the same source. All the legends say that the gods will return and usher in a new golden age so in this conspiracy theory about cern the global ruling class are essentially trying to speed this process up in the story from the bible god intervenes personally to stop the portal opening and god intervening directly is an exceptionally rare event so it's probably meant to happen all along if we're coming from this paradigm i mean But this is like essentially because when the gates are opened, it is one of the seals broken to begin the end times. So to this author, whether they know it or not, the Large Hadron Collider could bring about the end of the world in more ways than one, according to biblical prophecy. And interestingly enough, the secrets of the Watchers actually survived the flood. According to the Book of Jubilees, chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, in which Noah's grandson, Canam, found carvings on a giant rock that had all the knowledge given to humanity from the Watchers. So he copied it all, and didn't tell Noah because he thought that he would get mad at him, obviously, and yes, Noah would have been mad at him, but because of Canam, this forbidden knowledge survived. Some say that this explains the contradictions in how the Bible bull says that all the Nephilim were wiped out in the Great Flood as well as um, there being Nephilim after the flood, as well written in the Bible. Well, either there are two instances of watchers coming to Earth to make Nephilim, or this forbidden knowledge Canaan found could have contained just roll with me here, necromantic techniques. In Hebrew mysticism, there are these things called kestat, magical bands. And they are mentioned in the Bible that have the ability to manipulate souls and even restore souls to life. In Ezekiel thirteen, Kestat could be like um, a spirit prison in association with Kisti, a type of container. So essentially, knowledge of the Watchers and the will of the Nephilim survived through this occult magic. With the Kestat and Kisti, a spirit could be ejected from a living body, and another spirit put inside to inhabit that body so the Nephilim may not have had their giant bodies but did survive to an extent in physical form just not their original and wherever Christie sarcophaguses have an inscription it usually has a snake on it looking out an open lid this is symbolic for the spirit trapped within A half-man, half-goat entity associated with Pan was said to guard the gates of Hell at the base of Mount Hermon where the Rephaim, aka dead Nephilim, are traditionally said to be imprisoned. Well, at least some of them. After their death, actually many were allowed to wander the earth, to quote-unquote, do their job, essentially, as stated in the Book of Giants when God is convinced by one of them to actually let a whole host of them go instead of being imprisoned which is actually a fascinating story to read because it's essentially what, what some would consider a demon to be making a deal with God and God going along with it and granting the deal. But the guard of the Nephilim Gates of Hell is sometimes depicted as kicking the lid open and letting the snakes out. Again, symbolic of captured spirits. Such loose snakes were then depicted as being enslaved Around the limbs and bound in the hair of the Bacchae woman, the servants of a horned god, sometimes associated with Dionysus even, of the Greek pantheon, according to Tom Horn at least. But there are many horned gods in all religions and spiritual traditions throughout all human history, so a lot to work with. The global ruling class are essentially using CERN and the Hadron Collider to rediscover this type of technology. I guess you could look at it as magic technology too. So much about ancient writing is symbolism and metaphor, so it's hard to make sense of it, but following this narrative, this is one of the reasons they think they can bring back the old gods and the Nephilim. So end game in this conspiracy theory, the elite become like gods which is what Nimrod's whole goal was in the first place. They want to use the Large Hadron Collider to open a gateway to the dimension Nimrod's spirit resides, and use technology to place that spirit in a cloned body of the bloodline of the original Nimrod. They want to break down the gates to the Veil to gain power from it, essentially. And that might seem kind of ridiculous, but you have to remember too that even like a decade ago, we have cloned sheep it's against the law to clone humans or to experiment in cloning humans. But you have to realize too that these corporations, these global rulers, the global elite, they don't follow any of these laws and they control the media. They can do whatever they want. And from this point of view, they could definitely have the technology to clone bodies, not necessarily have them have consciousness, but the bodies themselves, I think it's totally plausible at least and it might well that might be a mouthful, and there's a lot more of it. But yeah, this version of CERN conspiracies is pretty fascinating, I think. You know, I really love Nephilim lore, so this is right up my alley. And it's cool that their version of Nimrod is Gilgamesh, Osiris, Orion, etc. Weirdly, Apollo sounds like Apollyon, the Greek name for Abaddon. And the Great Pyramids of Giza mirror the stars of Orion's belt which is a portal to and from this dimension, these entities like Nimrod and his kind exist. I know I said Mars earlier, and that even the Earth is a type of prison for spiritual entities, but this is all complicated and contradictory, so don't think about it too much. And a lot of the books on covering this type of thing, they give you tons of different examples of possibilities. They don't really stick to one narrative. So if you check out the show notes, or not the show notes, check out just the details underneath wherever you're listening to this. I'll have links to all my sources. If you wanna go into it more, be my guest. It's gonna be contradictory, but you shouldn't see one way of looking at it in their books to be necessarily the only way they're trying to say it. They give a bunch of examples. In the book, The Unseen Realm by Dr. Michael S. Heiser, he reveals a lot of behind the scenes stuff that most people don't know about the ancient Hebrew supernatural ideas that they believed about the world. But he does talk about the ancient magic of raising the mighty ones, which could be why the Dewey Rames Bible translation of the prophet Isaiah says some pretty weird stuff. Like, quote, Let not the dead live. Let not the giants rise again. Isaiah 26:14 so the CERN Large Hadron Collider could be a technomagic tool for necromancy, opening the door to cosmic powers beyond human comprehension. Do you think that the scientists at CERN could be technomancers, listener?
1: there, thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of Cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course, Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show, but most of all, all, thanks for listening.
0: The scientists at CERN have made it abundantly clear one of their goals is to rip away the veil, separating this world from other worlds or dimensions. Though maybe not in such direct wording, but yes, they are all about ripping in other dimensions. Quantum mechanics discovered that when you break down matter to its smallest bits, it actually lacks locality, which means that essentially it is everywhere at once, and not really bound by the physical laws of reality that we'd normally be accustomed to in our day-to-day lives. These discoveries have led some scientists to believe that we live in some sort of simulation. I'm sure you've heard of simulation theory before. It's all the rage right now, and has been for a bit. The scary part of this idea is that the universe we live in is just a tiny part of a much, much bigger thing. And we most likely are not living in the real reality or the real universe. And statistically, there's like a 99% chance that we're not even close to the original simulation. Does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Comforted or uncomfortable? What if we're just a copy of 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 a copy? I could go on. Anyway, this discovery so rattled the scientists who discovered this, that the main scientist committed suicide after winning a Nobel Peace Prize, no less. These suggestions from these discoveries that implicated that our worlds maintained by an ineffable source was too much for them, or the legitimate possibility that our world was created by higher beings, or a higher being, singular, or that our world wasn't the real world, quote unquote. These discoveries threw a wrench into the gears of the scientific community and resulted in the scientist who discovered its suicide, so it was a pretty big deal and I'm surprised that it was so hush-hushed, you know? Like, you don't really hear about this. But, these are all common ideas in esotericism and mythology and intimately familiar to the mystics and sages of the past to the biblical things that we're focusing on in this episode. The whole idea that this is all a created universe is commonly accepted. That's just goes, you know, that just goes with Bible stuff. Even if it isn't in the way that we'd see a simulation with our modern like Hollywood minds. But the simulation theory and creationism are analogous nonetheless. At least when looking at it with unbiased eyes. From a biblical point of view. This other dimension or dimensions CERN is trying to tap into is the spiritual realm, the unseen world. The Bible talks a lot about the unseen realm, which is layers upon layers, upon layers of etheric planes. It is a place where forces of good and evil are in constant flux and always influencing the material world. It's kind of similar to, um, not a mirror, but cause it's not reflecting. Well, I guess it is kind of reflecting. It's like overlapping and influencing. It's like the the tide where the water meets the sand and the ocean, I guess. But mostly there are just tons of warnings about humans messing with the unseen world because there are even places there that angels fear to tread. I think that I (laughs) quoted enough like stuff, Bible stuff in this episode, but there are tons of passages in scripture where people are saying, don't be afraid because We have unseen forces protecting us, and stuff like that. In some cases, there's entire armies backing up mortal humans from the unseen realm. Revelation 9, 1-11 talks about the trumpet that sounds when the Abyss has been opened. Remember in last episode where allegedly a trumpet-like sound was heard all over the world when CERN's Hadron Collider was activated? Well, the Collider is thought to be the keys Abaddon uses to open the Abyss, ushering the start of the end of days which happens over a period of time gradually, FYI, it's not going to happen all at once. So from what I see, we have three seals broken at the moment, which means according to biblical lore, we may just be living in the beginning of the end of days. However, occultists, mystics, saints, and sages have been conducting interdimensional communication for eons. If the tales are to be believed, Spiritual people have been talking to interdimensional entities for as long as humanity has been on this planet. But, what would it look like for profane, secular people conducting the same thing, but with technology? They would have none of the protection or discernment built up over the years that mystics have. And since spirits can take any form and tell the listener whatever they want to hear, or what's best to manipulate them, would these scientists, in their arrogance, Just believe these interdimensional beings at face value. I'd say that's highly likely, and all the better to jumpstart the apocalypse, at least according to biblical prophecy. And since these scientists are a huge part of the elite establishment system of control, what do you think they'd share with the rest of the world? For a long time, probably nothing. But eventually, such a thing could be weaponized to great effect to add to the layers of control. So even if they have not straight up opened the gate right away, what would the world look like if they did have the ability to open up communications with other beings in the spirit world? Or spirit worlds, I should say. In Revelation, the first army that comes out of the abyss is described as giant locusts made like horses with armor on, and they have the faces of men that have mouths like lions and hair like women. Just picture that image in your imagination for a moment. An army of giant locusts made like horses with human faces and long hair with razor sharp teeth. Sounds pretty horrifying, right? Like something out of a night terror. It also sounds kind of alien. Well, these may be the first entities that the scientists communicate with, at least according to the Bible. There is also the sixth angel that sounds one of the trumpets of the apocalypse that releases four angels that were bound in the great river Euphrates to annihilate one-third of the human population of Earth. So the hybrid locust demon-looking things are just the start of bizarre entities to cross over into our plane of reality in the end times. Is it possible through interdimensional communication that these entities inspire humanity to create a second Tower of Babel? using CERN's Hadron Collider technology with promises of becoming like a god to the elite. And who's to stop them from pursuing their goals? And why would they stop with the temptation right there of such an embodiment of power they love so much? The temptation to resurrect Nimrod to guide them? Just too tempting to slip away. I should clarify though, there are literally tons and tons and tons of more bits of scripture that I could quote being analogous to, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, CERN, uh, modern times. But I don't want to get too bogged down. I want to keep things interesting. So if you're wondering why I'm not making direct connections to scripture and CERN, that's why I just don't want to, I just don't, it's not my style. I don't want to turn this into a lecture or a Bible study, you know, just reading scripture dryly. The most important step fulfilled prophecies to remember is the destruction of Iraq and the Iraq War, Israel becoming a sovereign nation again, and CERN tapping into other dimensions. These are the big three so far that I got at least. The, The signs of the end times. What if Babel was a Nephilim gateway? And these Nephilim are prophesied to return. Before all the gates were closed up and God stopped walking the earth with his creations, and before spiritual entities were inhibited of travel between the layers of creation, this is the world of the Nephilim. These beings could make, they could give us knowledge that would make all of our knowledge just look like nonsense. It would be like a child compared to Einstein. Heaven is always used in metaphors being above us or out of space or high up in the mountains, you know, stuff like that. But with quantum mechanics, heaven and hell are literally right here where we are right now. Just a different vibration. You could reach out your hand and in another plane, there could be a demon or angel right there. Still going along with this same train of thought The portals also seem to be associated with specific locations like the watchers were descending from mount hermon or the physical tower of babel itself so though portals seem to only be accessible in certain locations the idea of going to the heavens as in the sky as a metaphor this idea is still interesting from a non-biblical view looking at these beings as aliens or ineffable interdimensional entities Scientist Stan Dio did an analysis of a carved depiction of the Tower of Babel and said that it's perfectly designed to discharge voltage and that the top seems to show a bright or burning circular area, similar to the Hadron Collider. Stan admits that the analysis is inconclusive, but many accounts of otherworldly beings in the Bible are accompanied by fire, lightning, or what we'd interpret as electrical discharge. Gods manifesting in our world in ancient times are almost always depicted as having fire surrounding them or something of that nature. Think of pyramids and the all-seeing eye as well. The top stones of the great pyramids are missing. Hence, why they no longer are utilized as energy conductors to open gateways to other worlds. In the Bible, Daniel even had a conflict with one of these gatekeeper entities, known as the Prince of Persia or Araman. Gabriel was sent to assist him, but Airman kept him at bay, that is, until the Archangel Michael showed up and overpowered Araman with Gabriel. Many of the kingdoms in these ancient worlds were thought to be governed by these princes, and they all have gates within their regions of control. In the book Alien Encounters by Chuck Missler and Mark Easterman, they ask who are meddling with the seed of men and who are non-seed, while analyzing a prediction of Daniel in the Bible and the creation of the Antichrist in the end times being Nephilim. As I just said, princes are thought to rule specific kingdoms of earth, and the earth is essentially ruled by Satan. So maybe if Satan can be brought through these portals to become physical, he can mate with a human woman and create the Nephilim Antichrist. Gotta remember what I said earlier, how Nephilim can be made and even resurrected into new bodies but they're just normal human bodies not their giant bodies their nephilim giant bodies were completely destroyed in the deluge but their spirits still very much are very potent and can be put into human physical bodies if they have this um this like necromantic link or dna of a nephilim in them some sort of hybrid Like I said, the end of the Nephilim during the Great Flood was not the end of the Nephilim. But these Christian writers associate the old gods with Satan, specifically Nimrod, as well as Abaddon. So it's not all straightforward here and has a lot of nuances. When I say Satan, it could easily be looked at as like a title of many different archetypes, could be capable of wielding in Abaddon ascending and Antichrist, the Vatican, and the alien Cern delusion specifically. Two of the sources i'm using for this episode these christian writers or most christian writers kind of see things in black and white got to keep that in mind but the things are rarely so simplistic but when coupled with daniel's prophecy in genesis 3 it's essentially saying that satan has seed and it is at enmity with christ in normal talk what that means is satan can have offspring with human women and his seed is the enemy of god's seed The anathema. So could the locust human demonic looking hybrids that come out of the abyss be Nephilim spirits, just like gashing at the gates into our reality and Satan coming through to have children with human females, the return of the Nephilim? Probably, I don't know. But even if you look at all this stuff, not from a biblical prophecy point of view, it still is really interesting. In the Bible, it states that the Antichrist will be the son of perdition, the male progeny of the Greek Apollyon or Abaddon, aka, from certain Christian perspectives, Satan, which we've already gone over in the first part of this episode, or from the alleged view of the elites behind CERN, Nimrod, with the return of the old gods from beyond the veil. Confused yet? When the prophecy is fulfilled, a very charismatic world leader will arrive to put an end to all the self-imposed afflictions by the elite on normal people and seem to have all the answers. It'll help in creating one world order, where prejudices and stuff like that become a thing of the past, and religious and non-religious will both venerate him. All political polarities will be all about him and what he's got to say. Individual sovereignty and property and liberty will also slowly become a thing of the past. And in this slowly rising dystopia, any who oppose him will be outcasted and mocked by normal people to the point where they are eventually singled out as pariahs and killed in myriad ways. In the end, there will be a new religion that worships this man as God. And if you don't, you are as good as dead. Or at least, the death would be better. The mindless herd will batter the resistance to this man, and they will do so behind a shield of false virtue, and their very identities will become playthings of the new world government. When this authoritarian global dystopia is complete and it's far too late to turn back, the apocalypse will begin in full Armageddon. But eventually, God returns to judge the gods And an incredible war will occur. It will happen in the sky, ocean, and on the earth, and in the earth, in spiritual planes, as well as in the hearts and minds of what remains of humanity. And then begins the real fulfilled prophecy of a battle of cosmic and psychedelic proportions that would make our brains explode. So, from a biblical perspective, this is what CERN's work is leading to. Sounds pretty epic, right? That's just a really, really quick summary of, you know, book of Revelation end time stuff. But uh, going overall, we've gone over here. It's no wonder that a lot of Christians are pretty up in arms about CERN and like what it's all up to and how it doesn't answer to anyone. And I don't blame them at all for that because like, yeah, it makes total sense. These biblical prophecies um, and what CERN is up to totally sync up to their point of view. Well, at least uh, this version of the conspiracy theories concerning CERN. I'm sure you get what I mean. But even though they are worried that these prophecies are coming true, even from their own point of view, there is no way to stop it, right? And things never happen the way people expect. So also, even from their own point of view, these things may play out in some pretty unexpected ways. It's not going to go like in the scripted way that a lot of Christian writers and preachers say. It's not going to go, probably, in any of the ways that those people expect. In the book, Antichrist, The Vatican, and the Alien CERN Delusion by Bob Mitchell, he even connects the modern UFO, UAP phenomenon stuff to the Vatican as well as CERN. He says that CERN wants to welcome these alien invaders as alien benefactors who can help us grow technologically and culturally, with no idea that they are actually fallen angels. So these books get pretty juicy and, um, yeah, if you want to dig deeper, I'll link all of my sources, go check them out. None of the stuff in this episode came from me. It's literally all these books, but who knows? Maybe what if there was like an alien antichrist? That'd be a cool episode. What do you think? Listener. Do you think that Hillary Clinton is trying to resurrect the Nephilim King Nimrod? so the global elite can open up gateways with technomancy to other dimensions and become living God's. all for today's episode, and once again, thank you Mr. Wigglesworth for requesting these episodes on CERN. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all Podcast Hubs. You look for us and we're there. Right now I'm trying to get some reviews on my Facebook page, so if you can help me out, I would love some reviews on my Facebook page, and I promise that I'll put in a good word with you with Cthulhu so that he doesn't drive you to, like, um... What's it called? Complete Madness? Yeah. I'll make sure that Cthulhu doesn't drive you to madness. If you uh, make sure to go help me out with that. Otherwise, I'm not so sure. You're cool with that, right, Cthulhu? Alright. Sorry, he's been really cranky since he got awoken from the depths of the ocean. Yeah, so leave my Facebook page uh, a review if you got time bad reviews, good reviews. I don't care. Just reviews are good. And um, also I'm trying to hit 40k. So if you could follow me, that'd also be great. Thanks. I'll have the link below. And as always, I'd like to thank my current supporters. MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grotius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, Johnny Wick, Dale Adams, Danny Van Heck, Carnage, Jesse Leach, Austin Monday, Michael Graham, Ed Hawks, Trusty Old Senpai, Lex Lazarus, Brian Nolan, Jared, Matthew Lawson, Jismuk, Spacecoin, Gary Hetzel, Tom McClerny, Colton Spenner, Justin, Miyamoto Musashi, Jeremy Gross, Psychic Terror, Jacob Neil McBride, Cameron Sanders, Robin Van Patten, Ryan L., Bleed Gray, Rosalinda Gonzalez, Jonathan Jackson, Brandon Wigglesworth, Cody George, Enya Dadan, TD777, Emily Schmemely, and Sphinx314 and as one of the wisest mystics who ever lived once said, Those who know don't say, those who say don't know.